Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Get in the Garage. We're a music podcast. For music lovers. As always, we've got a great show planned for you today, but before we begin, don't forget to like and comment and subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends and family and everybody you know. Tell somebody at the grocery store about Tell our podcast. Tell somebody at the grocery store, whether they're checking you out or helping you uh, find an item. The way you said checking out sounded... Everyone's su- always checking me out at the grocery <laughs> store. I was going to say, it sounded suggestive. It sounded suggestive. I was waiting for it. Uh, yeah, so we got a fun show planned. Luke, why don't you give the good people a nice little outline of the show? We have expect. music news like we have every week for you. Stay informed. We have the brand new music review from SZA. We kind of missed it from a couple weeks ago, but we are bringing it to you here today. The album is SOS. And then... In our last segment, we are going to take a weird left turn and talk about some of the weirdest left turns in musical history. We're talking people that did complete faces into different musical genres, changed up what they were doing completely. We're going to talk about it. Left turn, crazy musical things. Yeah. That's pretty much it. That's it. So let's get the uh, Alex. Alex, Cue the music. Roll our theme song. Roll the music. That was a Who the movie. fuck just started this theme song? <laughs> Every time I hear that, I just think of the No Reservations and Titty Bourdain. It's oh, like yeah. No Re- Reservations. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. It's not as cool. Oh, it's, it may be a better theme song, but it's not as cool. The No Reservations theme song is quite weird. Yeah, it's good. No Reservations. Anyway, this isn't a cooking show. This is a show about music. So let's talk about what's happening in music today. Uh, who wants to go first? Who's got the music news? I will. Okay. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to. Yesterday, I believe... Uh, Limp Biscuit frontman Fred Durst has lent his support to Elon Musk with all of his troubles at Twitter. So, Elon, if you're watching or listening, um, get in touch with Jacksonville's finest Fred Durst. He can help you solve all your problems. <laughs> Is he um, up for the CEO bid? I don't know. I hope so. I Fred, well, uh, you know. You can I, pay Fred and Nookie. I feel like he, he's. He does it all for it. So I feel like Fred's really bringing the people together uh, since, like, the you know limp biscuit renaissance we had like mm. two years ago yeah. and uh i'm ready for it let's make him the uh head of twitter it's already a cesspool anyway it's already- <laughs> the florida of the internet there you go <laughs> there you have it um i have some interesting music news that I, I i caught let's hear it recently that i thought was kind of interesting so madison square garden did you see this is using facial recognition technology to kick out legal adversaries which is pretty far out. So I guess um, legal adversaries. Yeah. So I guess the whole thing is is like they had used this recognition software to find lawyers who were actively involved in cases against Madison Square Garden. So as a way to combat maybe what you would consider a conflict of interest or something legal spying or something. They're basically using the facial recognition technology, and they kicked out. I read the article. I think it was like six attorneys who were there to see something, but were they there to see something? You know, so like they think it's kind of like foul play, like that they're actually going there to try to like get dirt or something because it is technically a public 
place that you can go to. Um, but I also looked into it a bit further, and I guess Taylor Swift had used facial recognition technology on one of her tours to help prevent stalkers from coming to her shows. That's so this cool. is not necessarily a new concept. Also, it's not a new concept because if you've ever been to a casino, casinos have been using facial recognition technology for the past, I don't even know how many years because, you know, if you go, you gamble, you cheat, whatever. There's They are actively looking at every person that walks in. So not a new thing. Have you been walked out of the casino? I have not been walked out of the casino. It was just a question. Do I look like someone who's been walked out of the casino? I know many people who have been walked out of the casino. I behave myself at the casino. I don't go for gambling. I go for food. Yeah. Baked goods. The milkshakes. The milkshakes. Interesting. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was weird. It's kinda, it is kind. It is interesting, but it's also kind of like... I mean, if you've seen the documentary Minority Report, you know, this has existed <laughs> for many years. So. But isn't that like a Tom Cruise movie? I thought it was a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff is our resident Tom Cruise expert. <laughs> yes, he is. He does all this real stunts. Hey, well... Madison Square Garden, there's a lot of people who hate the dude who owns that place, James Dolan, yeah. who is a blues musician. Look up his shit. It's awful. It's called like <laughs> JD and the Blues Bullet Band or something. And yeah. he like opens up for the Eagles. Really? Because no, he's a, bil- he's a he billionaire. Pays. He yeah. pays them. He pays to play. Yeah. And so imagine going to see the Eagles and then you gotta, he does an hour opening set. Like just a fucking chubby billionaire white guy playing blues harmonica well he knows he knows all about the blues man he's no james cotton <laughs> uh so anyway there you go that's i mean you have that i don't know do with it what you will but uh yeah but very very interesting and make sure uh, you're on good terms with madison square garden if you go see a show uh so what no i am uh i am two thumbs down on that idea i have a uh a fun one for you uh h&m the fashion retailer has pulled justin bieber's merchandise from their stores after he called the merchandise trash um so what happened was h&m had a line with uh, i mean it is trash all the shit costs like nine dollars <laughs> Okay, so like that's it's made out of like plastic bags. It's literally yeah. some of the worst clothes yeah. ever made. I own a lot of it because it's the only <laughs> stuff that fits me. Like, oh, ever. I I shopped there for a brief period and then I stopped going because I had to buy XLs when I weighed 140 pounds. They're the only. <laughs> They're pers- made for European body types. Me, so. Uh, what happened was it was like the Kanye Gap deal where Justin Bieber had a deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, H&M where they're going to design some clothes based on his songs and tour and image and all of those things and the line came out and it was available for uh, in stores and Justin Bieber went to Twitter and told his followers not to buy the merchandise that it was trash and not good not of good quality it was trash don't buy it is what he said H&M has released a statement um, the following uh, H&M has followed and sorry, H&M has followed all proper approval and procedures, but out of respect for the collaboration with Justin Bieber, we have removed the garments from stores, a spokeswoman said. So that is what happened. I don't know what the real beef is. I don't know if he doesn't like the designs or if what we are all really just saying that H&M's clothing is kind of trashy and not of high quality, which I think everybody knew, maybe except Justin Bieber. So Also trashy and not of high quality, Justin Bieber. Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Sometimes they say life imitates art. That's right. <laughs> so... 
that is what's happening with H&M and Justin Bieber. So, oh. I, you know, I just thought it was interesting. Uh, musicians yeah. in the fashion world, they can't really seem to get a hold on it as well as uh, 50 Cent in his G-Unit line once did. Oh, but that, but that was because that was his own. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I get you. He didn't go because I don't think G Unit went through. No, no, that was like that sold was in like JC Penny and like Kohl's yeah, and right, things right, like right. that. Yeah, licensed by a different company that made it all. Yeah. Well, if yeah. well, you know. Um, in festival news, uh, recently announced. Although I I read this and it said recently announced. It's a festival that's going to be this January. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just catching it late, but it was in the news this week. Um, Chicago artist Chance the Rapper and Vic Mensa are co-hosting a festival in Ghana in Africa called the Black Star Line Festival, which is named after the uh, fleet of ships that transported enslaved people from Africa to the United States and uh, South America. And uh, so I assume that they're appearing and performing. I don't know who else is on the lineup, but kind of a cool thing for some American artists to be going across seas yeah. to Africa especially to put on a festival for people that I assume is going to be like hopefully at almost no cost for the people there and maybe do a whole bunch of good for the communities over there. Yeah, Who was it that you said we're doing? Was uh, Chance the Rapper oh, and Vic right. Mensa mm-hmm. are the co-hosts and you can read more about the lineup. It's Black Star Line Festival. Black Star Line Festival. Very cool. Right on. Um, I have some more news. Go for it. So I hate to tell you guys but Almost famous, the musical. Oh, I just saw a clip. Is not uh, is no longer going to be on Broadway. Oh, it's not doing well. No, it's not doing well at all. After a <laughs> quote, what was the uh, fair quote? Fairly average gross of six seven hundred and sixty five thousand sixty dollars. Oh, that's, that's not a lot. Uh, it is performed to theaters at seventy four percent capacity, uh, but it also goes on to say. That K-pop, a musical based on the K-pop industry, closed just after two weeks. Uh, and uh, another musical, Ain't No Mo, received a closing notice after one week, but rallied to briefly extend its run. So it's literally, that's what it's called. I Don't know. make fun of no, me. I know. <laughs> I know it is. I was just laughing at the way you said it. Ain't, uh, ain't, ain't, ain't No, no Mo. Mo. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the biggest crapshoot in entertainment is musicals. Is it, they yeah. cost so much seed money to get off the ground and like to get to performances. Yeah, and then if you get bad reviews the first week, it's like that shit's gonna last for one month. Yeah, it's that bad, huh? Because you gotta think like how big the staff is of actors, of behind the scenes people, of costumers, of makeup, of stage people, of lighting techs, of you right, know construction right. people, and then like the New York Times is like. Don't go see this piece of shit, <laughs> and then, and then it's, and it nobody does. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know though. Like, are there any? Are there really any? Would you have there been any really like successful modern current musicals that have come out that have actually been doing well? Like Hamilton. Yeah. Ham- well, Hamilton. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like <laughs> Alex is like the biggest musical mo- album. Most, of the mus- past most years. musicals yeah, come saying, out, and they like, last for like the one or two years. Yeah. And then something else comes in. Yeah, you know, the, you have the big tent poles of, you know, Phantom of the Opera is closing soon. Um, Wicked still on Broadway. Um, trying to think of long, long run producers. I believe is still on Broadway. Yeah, I think Avenue Q. But I don't know. I, I don't really know that world that much anymore. But yeah, yeah, yeah. These things seem to have their like one, two, three year type max kind of thing, unless they are those gigantic like phenomenons. Right, right. But I mean, in general, like even Broadway in general, is this like a dying? 
No, Hamilton, thing man. In the current, yeah, but well, Ham- yeah, yes, Hamilton. But I'm talking like if we're talking meta, if we're talking big picture, like are people really going to see things on Broadway that say like aren't tourists? Because you get the people who go like we're going to go see a Broadway musical in the big city. You know, you get that whole thing. But, they are, but things still just haven't picked up since COVID. Right, right. That's what I mean. Like it, they just because people are still yeah, don't want to be packed in a theater. People yeah. would go see any because there's so many classic shows that they would just put back yeah. into rotation. You know what I mean? So it doesn't matter yeah. what it is. People will always still but go. All those theater experiences, they're very hit or miss still right now. Yeah. Like I just went to the movies and there were like sixty people there. Yeah. And so yeah, like musicals, unless you are the huge ones, you got hope to have an audience. Would yeah. you go see Almost Famous the musical though? No. I mean, if if if, if I was, was the, like if I was if someone was like if it hey, was man, free, yeah, like, <laughs> that's, it was down the that's street. That's what you. That's the face you made. You're like yeah. if it was free, if it was like three dollars or down the street. Yeah, maybe. Well, because yeah, 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 tickets for that. I assume like Broadway musicals, they start at like seventy five. I would never go see Almost Famous yeah. the Musical. Like I just, you know what I mean? It's just. Not... I saw a clip, and after seeing a clip, I wouldn't. No, I just did. The idea doesn't Blue sound Jean, good to me. Baby. Like I'm just like I'm out. But, like, yeah. do you want to watch a musical <laughs> about? A movie about a fake band. <laughs> well, it's really about like you know Led Zeppelin yeah. and Rolling Stone. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, saying. I would give it a Jimmy shot, Crow. but yeah, it's yeah. But I was trying to be what nice. Was the one and say it, it was a movie about a certain ain't no type mo. of person? Ain't no mo. It ain't no mo. That's all, that's my review on almost famous <laughs> musical. It ain't no it mo. Ain't no mo. It's true. It ain't no mo. Yeah. Hamil- yes. Hamilton tickets right now are starting at one hundred and twenty-four dollars yeah. a piece. Yeah, still huge. Yeah. So. But yeah. that is like the Phantom of the Opera, the Cats, the Wicked. You know, you right, get like right, one right. one every five years that becomes a huge like fifteen year thing. Yeah, yeah. I got one more to wrap it out. Okay, if we're good, let's yeah, yeah hit it. Uh, if you purchased, this is the third week in a row of Bob Dylan book news. So <sighs> if you purchased Bob Dylan's new books and went straight to the thank yous, the acknowledgement section, he thanked the crew at Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, and in a recent interview, they asked him, why did you thank, of all people, the crew at Dunkin' Donuts? And if you did look at the acknowledgement, it was like this person, that person, this person, that person, and then... The crew at Dunkin' Donuts for their gracious service or something like that. It was like the longest one. and uh, Thanks for giving me the bathroom code even though I look like a bum. Right? There you go. <laughs> Bob Dylan said they were compassionate, supportive, <laughs> the- compassionate. and they went the extra mile. That was his answer. That's the extra why mile. He what he means them. is... Thanks for putting 17 liquid sugars yeah. in that coffee for me. Are you thinking Bob Dylan drinks anything but a black coffee? He's got to. <laughs> I don't I bet. I don't know. Can you imagine if he's like really like Give gross? me a seven and seven. <laughs> I bet you Bob Can Dylan. Can you mix the hazelnut and the French vanilla and put 12 liquid sugars <laughs> in that piece for me? He's a black <laughs> you know? coffee, an old-fashioned donut, Oh, and like an apple, like one of those. Like <laughs> an apple, a, a Dunkin' Donuts. No, what are those things? Uh, apple, apple fritter. fritter. An apple I, fritter, I maybe? I him as, a, you know, the donut sticks? Remember they yeah. used to have those donut sticks? Yeah, he uh, probably do like a couple donut sticks. Old-fashioned donut sticks. Yeah. Because they dip easier in the coffee. What, like, what? Are we imagining that Bob dips his coffee? How <laughs> donuts how, how can a, sure, co- how can a coffee like person school? provide or like demonstrate compa- <laughs> compassion? <laughs> what, what was? But They're like, you, it's on the house, Bob. Like, well, that's, that's of all, this is this it. is the funny thing. Bob Dylan is such an elusive creature, and he doesn't open up to like anybody in the music press. But the people that know him the best are 
the people Dunham. at Dunkin' Donuts. So yeah. what are you going to do, man? Yeah, right. And if they're good Dunkin' Donuts employees, they see him every day and they still get his order wrong some days. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I, I, I didn't order a wake-up rep. <laughs> just to stay why, chummy. Why, why do I have a wake-up rep? I get it. He's on the coffee every day. Why'd you give me a French vanilla today? Because <laughs> I'm a Dunkin' Donuts employee. That's what we do. Yeah. I wonder what his flavor. Do you this think he has a compassion. flavor? This is compassion. This is compassion. Oh, man. Yeah. I, 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 I put him for a hazelnut guy, though. I can't imagine Bob being a French vanilla kind of guy. Bob is a hazelnut. He's a- <laughs> <laughs> I'm going black coffee all day. Yeah. Can't yeah. be. All right. Well, perhaps an, an espresso if we have to. Moving on, um, we are going to review. Yes, we're going to a review. New sorry, album. I was distra- <laughs> I was sorry, I was distracted because Alex was trying to tell me something back there. Yes, we're going to review a new album. <laughs> it came out last week, December 9th. So that was last week, right? Yeah, two weeks ish. ago. Two weeks. Two weeks. Two Three weeks, weeks ago. ago. Who knows? Who cares? Uh, it is the second studio album by SZA. It's called SOS. What do we think about it? It's sixty-seven minutes long, so it's a it's 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 a big one. Or an hour and nine minutes and yeah. twenty-three tracks. Twenty-three tracks, yeah. Uh, it's got four singles listed. Um, the first of which came out two years ago. Yeah, December twenty-fifth, twenty twenty, right? Yeah, and then and the then second one came out over a year ago, December third, twenty twenty-one, and then October twenty-eighth, twenty twenty-two, and there's one that's. Dated for January of 2023 on here. Soon to be released. So Soon this is released. this is her second studio album. It's the first release in five years. Her first album, Control, came out in 2017. Um, widely celebrated album five years ago. And people have been uh, eagerly awaiting this new album. With the first single, Good Days, coming out two years ago, people thought this project would be completed sooner than now, but people are happy to have it now. Uh, it's getting kind of like worldwide acclaim. And... It's one of those, like, I haven't been around for many years, so here's all the songs I have. So I kind of, like, forgive it for its length because I see the point of that. But what do you guys think? I thought it was too long. <laughs> if I'm coming out if I'm coming yeah. out with things. But then again, when you put it like that, I mean, that, that makes sense. You know, where it's just kind of that thing. I just felt that, like, I don't know. To me, there were moments where this musically sounded confused. But I suppose when you're releasing 23 tracks and it's kind of like, okay, here's everything, I kind of would have liked maybe two separate albums and have one that's a bit more of that harder hip-hop leaning and one that's a bit more of that kind of, I don't know, what it was, not indie rock, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's there's kind of like two different sort of things going on on this record, you know, because you have like guitar-driven stuff on mm-hmm. here, but then you have other stuff that sounds pretty you know up to par with kind of like you know like the drake style of hip-hop and r&b uh luke uh what you who did you mention the other day frank ocean like sure yeah it's got like the r&b side of it this is like one of those like r&b albums that's on the progressive scale of like r&b music where it's really not just one flavor of it there's a lot of things mixed into it it's really from like that frank ocean kind of moving up to here this is more of a pop oriented version of that um i think that this album is really quite bloated it's quite like a song dump album Mm. uh for me i liked the more pushy experimental r&b things and the things that leaned more like indie pop r&b such as the single kill bill 
in that nature. I like that kind of stuff. Things where I found that I didn't really like this album was one, the length, and I didn't super care for all the um, themes, the like vocal lyrical themes. I thought like some of it was said maybe like a couple songs before in a different kind of way, and I kind of thought some of the themes were rehashed a little bit. Uh, one big example is I did love the song Kill Bill, but having a song kill bill movie song quentin tarantino we all know that and then to have like nine songs later a song called gone girl Mm -hmm. both are movies female protagonist which is the male is you know for me that's too on the nose of almost the same songwriting prompt to me which isn't like a bad song in one but when you put them that close together i go movie movie and for me i would just want a little bit more flavor so that was like oh, my yeah, big sure. kind of criticism of it um the last like kind of thing is i really did like a lot of the f- flavors of the songs the last thing i didn't care for was um f2f the rock pop mm-hmm. song on this record i thought that was like the more worst version of a rock pop song where the R&B on this record felt new and innovating and going different places I'd kind of never heard. And then for me, I was like, oh, that's one of the most boring rock songs I've heard this year. Mm. Willow Smith's rock songs with R&B twists were much more interesting, much more flavorful. That's like That kind of stuff would have fit better on this record than that song did. That sounds like a Kelly Clarkson song from 2003. I didn't really like it. Oh, the yeah. other thing... Uh, I didn't like on this record was why is old dirty bastard on this record? It doesn't does not make any sense to me at all. I know she just sampled it and used it, and the estate said, "Yeah, you can use that," and that's okay, I guess, in some forms. But it feels to me like it just feels weird. I don't get it. For me, I'm like, oh, I just thought it was an add-on. Yeah, but like, like, but but for me, because it is just like 20 seconds of a. But it's such a big record, right? It's like her. This is like the, and then for me, that's the last song, and it feels just like I just, I don't know. It just felt weird because it also didn't sound like anything else on the record. It was the only one with the big, boom, bap, ba, boom, bap beat on it, where everything else had like modern beats that were not boom bap at all. So, going from there, that's why I didn't like everything else. I was really into. So, what did you guys like on it? Yeah, oh, I like most of the record. Yeah, I like most of the record too. I thought the beginning is like it's strong, man. SOS mm. in the Kill Bill, Seek and Destroy, Low Love Language, Blind, uh, Used, featuring uh, Don Tolliver. Thank you. Uh, Snooze, Notice Me, and then I I, I found like it kind of started lulling. Just it sagged just a little bit in the middle, and I think maybe that was just the result of the record being long. I don't necessarily think that the songs in that area are bad songs. I just had that moment where, like, you've—I know you've said it about records before, where you're like, I looked down and I was like, Jesus Christ, I still have six more tracks. Like, yeah. I kind of had that sort of a moment with this record. Um, I, not to necessarily be contrarian to Luke, but I look at the ODB inclusion kind of as a potentially good thing. That there's a possibility that somebody who's listening to SZA who doesn't know who ODB is will like look at this record and be like, oh, who the fuck is ODB? And they'll look up ODB and then there, you know, maybe somebody be like, oh, it might spark interest into like Wu-Tang or ODB solo or you know what I mean? Or something like that. Heavily influenced by the Wu-Tang Clan, uh, RZA um, and ODB 
it's part of her her background as an artist. Oh, okay, yeah. And I know she's that, that she's from Missouri. I thought that maybe she was from like New York or Staten Island because she does deliver one line too where she says like, uh, those bitches are featherweight or like that bitch is featherweight or something. I like to think that that's a harken back to a Mob Deep lyric where right, your is. crew is featherweight. Yeah. That's kind of like a thing. That's a Mob Deep reference. Um, so that's why I was like, oh, well, maybe she's like a New York artist. Maybe that's kind of that. But she's from Missouri. So that's, you know. But um, yeah, I, I just I love the beginning, man. I thought I thought the first couple of tracks kill Bill. The I might kill my ex. I might kill my ex. The last final chorus. I just killed my ex. You know, that kind of thing. I like that song so much. I really wish there was a lot more of that. Seek and Destroy was good. Low was good. You know, you got a couple of those intros that are like Drakey intros where it's like, you know, like the key stuff and stuff. Um, but, you know, I understand. It's a song. It's kind of like a song dump style album. And, I, you know, I get that. But I think that the songwriting is solid. I don't think she necessarily needs to do that. I think that she could divvy things up and it would still be like effective you know what I mean? Like I just, it's good music. You don't, you don't have to just. Well, I think she asked to, because like yeah. famously, her first album was done for almost two years, but she like kept not giving her material to the label until they like forcibly, legally took possession of her hard drives to put the album out. Because she was like tinkering with it, tinker, tinker, tinker. I can oh, change this. I can fix yeah, this. Yeah. And they're like, we put out singles a while. We gotta get this album out. Yeah. And it's Top Dog Entertainment, who is um, the former label of Kendrick Lamar, based in Los Angeles, Compton. And um, so I think this album, like they put out that first single two years ago, this album was probably, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this album was done six months ago, yeah, eight months ago, nine months, you know, like. Right. Um, so it's really long. There are some songs that kind of are just kind of... Mm, mm, meandering or what i don't know is not really the word but they're just kind of don't go anywhere and they're kind of just like feeling songs where it kind of just stays in one mood for two and a half minutes um and those are fine because like at the very worst she has that very like sultry hypnotic type of rihanna type of thing where it's like subtly process i mean not too subtly but like process vocals that have that very like droopy syrupy type of sound um i like kill bill mostly the the best out of the tracks because i think it has the strongest melody it's the most interesting song um i did like the song f to f because um even though it sounds like something that would have been on radio 20 years ago i think that's a good thing like i would love to see that be released as a radio single because i think it's more interesting than what you hear as radio singles now like radio singles now are like basically a minute and a half tiktok snippets that can be chopped up for videos um i like the song special um which is just like a simple song um i like her when she's like more plaintive and more journalistic and more like downbeat but i do like the when she gets some energy into things and unfortunately like her highest energy is like this like never <laughs> nothing ever gets past like i'm just rocking the old she doesn't have anything that's there's nothing fast or hard hitting on this album but that's like her style of music it's all yeah. It's that hip hop infused R and B music. I wish she ra- did a little bit more rapping on this album. Um, she kind of only does it on "Smoking My X Pack." Um, in like the intro song, she does a little bit SOS, right, SOS. That, but it's only on those like you're saying, like the little minute yeah. and a half vibers, because like SOS right. and "Smoking on My X Pack" are both like less than right. two minutes long. So, yeah. so I just think it would have been a little, bit, especially because of the length, like the length of the album and the duration between album releases, like. 
when Frank Ocean released Blonde, he did more rapping stuff, like a little bit more changes on all this stuff to kind of like show people where he's gone in the past five years since he put something out. Um, so I would have loved to hear a little bit more range, but um, I think this album's very solid. It's it's long, like most hip hop albums we listen to are long, but um, I don't think there's like skippable stuff on this album. It's just like the four ish songs that I just go like, eh, they're like eh, for that two minutes that they're on. Yeah, and they're they're fine because I like her voice. Her voice is in the upper end of R and B voices that I enjoy listening to. Like, you know, it's up there with Rihanna and Jasmine Sullivan and um, Amber Mark and Beyonce and you know like where it's that sultry, almost like meditative, like you can kind of get just lost on the like sound of her voice. You don't even pay attention to the words really. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a great album cover. It's a very memeable, like a la uh, Drake's Views album where he's on the top of the Toronto Tower. Yeah, yeah. Like this is just a great cover with her on a long diving board sitting out over the ocean. Um, Reference yeah. to Princess Diana, the photo that was taken a week before she died. That's what that photo is oh, sure. a reference to. Oh, sure. Yeah, which I thought was kind of interesting, yeah, like the yeah. isolation theme, because yeah, yeah. this record is like the sad girl, hard girl, yeah. doing that thing. Uh, yeah, because people yeah. have been dying for this to be released. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed Crit Control, but I'm not like a diehard fan, so I wasn't on the same thing of like anticip- anticipating this, but yeah. um, I'm glad it finally got released. I would like, I'd just like to say, though, too, that. You know, they're like you know my reference points. You know, but the 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 Drakey style things that were kind of peppered throughout this album, I I thought that she did it better. You I know like, what I mean? I, I thought hate that you, the third to last track on that, yeah. where she was just like, "If you're wondering if I hate you, I do," and it was like <laughs> so like that was like a such like a Drake style. I think that vocal. was an old single too. That was a single from like last year. Yes, right? that one got leaked like a long time ago and then got put out as a single. But I thought that song that song made me yeah. like chuckle on like the the home stretch of that album where that one came on. And I was like, oh, this is cool. The, the melody of that song was great and the. Uh, if you're wondering if I hate you and the second one is fuck you which is really funny the way she sings it yeah. so beautifully yeah. um, it's really good and like harkens back to the like uh, CeeLo Green you know yeah. that kind of thing but um, done way more like classily and not so like you know you know funny I like that a lot I also think I read too maybe some music news to tie into this I think it went to number one. Oh yeah it went to, it like it four, officially went to number one. 400,000 copies in the first week or something. Yeah. Big, Or big. units or however they measure things now. Yeah. Yes. I would also like to note that like every single single off this album has multiple million streams. Kill Bill, 71 million. Nobody Gets Me, 41 oh, yeah, million. The streams. Shirt. Did you check the streams out on Spotify for like each song? It's Shirt has 109 ridiculous. million streams. Yeah. So... Very, Ridiculous. very big album right now. I also want to shout out uh, Blind, a song I loved on this record. Uh, the raunchy, like, Bob Saget lyric. So good. Um, that's an early track, right? It's no, like, that's it's like, yeah, it's earlier. It's right after Love Language. I think it's like six in. Yeah. Um, and again, I wanted to shout out Love Language for talking about, like, relationships in that kind of positive, yeah, what's your love song. language thing. That was really, really well done. I loved that. So there was a lot of stuff I really, really liked on this album, and the production was really good. It was just those small little notes that, you know, kind of made me falter a little bit with it. But it's a really, really great album, and 
lot of stuff on there. Yeah. Also, it's nice to see too. Like when you're looking at the credits of like who. I mean, she's. It's pretty much all her. There's there's very little. I also want to know with Michael liking that ODB sampled song. Michael now likes a. Uh, oh no! Michael no. now likes no. some Bjork music because Bjork is. Uh, I only liked it for the ODB. I only liked it for the ODB. So uh, we have Michael really enjoying oh. a Bjork sampled track here you on the new SZA album. Uh, so I'd like to just bring that full circle here. It ain't Ted Nugent, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are the thoughts on the overall features? There's only five, I believe, on the whole album. Yeah, was it Phoebe Bridgers? Jacob uh, Collier, Don Tolliver. Travis Scott. Is it? Um, yeah. Lizzo did some co-writing. Um, I liked the... Um, which one did I like the best? I liked the feature with Travis Scott the best on Open Arms. I like the song where he's not listed as a feature more. He's listed on another song. With, he he does background on vocals on like the fourth track, fourth or fifth track, and it's like in it is background background, but you can tell it's Travis Scott. I think it's more interesting than the song he does the full feature on. Oh, and the, I believe the song that. after that, like I think it might be the song in between like track four or five and between the Don Tolliver feature. SZA does vocal processing that, to bring her voice down an octave that makes it sound like it is like Travis Scott or somebody, but it is just her singing. But it's like process to be in the male's range oh no yeah. i did not pick up on that but yeah. uh i thought the other features i mean that was the one i liked the phoebe best bridgers uh phoebe bridgers was cool but alex I is shedding a solitary tear oh you're a phoebe Queen. bridgers fan oh she's excellent do you like a, a better oblivion community isn't she in that band with connor yeah, Overs? yeah do you like that we don't talk that's about your that deal here Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> repping, I'm repping old close, school. Close, what do you want to talk about? Close the shades, put on your black hoodie, and listen to Phoebe Bridgers. <laughs> Sad girl. Sad. Um, all right. Well, what do we think though? Uh, if we're going round table, if we're going to do the old get in the garage oh, rating before ratings. Yes. For anybody just wondering out there, because um, we talk about content of albums, people are thinking, you know, the internet's like, oh my gosh, is she singing about this person? This person? This is all music that she said that she wrote about relationships from five, six years ago. And she is right about like me and Mike's age. She's like 33-ish. Um, so like anybody thinking like the internet rumors about what's on this album, like these are songs written about 2017. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, why? The, the the internet's a buzz? Yeah, people, it always is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. who's this song about? That was yeah. Taylor Swift's album. Oh my album. gosh, who's she shitting on on this song? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh. But yeah, on to our ratings. On to the ratings. Uh, I'll go first if you like. Please. Um... I don't know. I'm going to stick with my rating because I do still think it's it's a bit long for my taste, which is odd for me to say because I'm like a prog rock guy. So, but I did I did feel like it was a bit long, but I think it's a solid like 7.8. I'll go there. I think it's a solid 7.8. I think that she's a great songwriter, man. I think you know, I I look forward to whatever musical project she has coming out next. There's a lot of really like high shining moments on this record, and I think that whatever happens next, if she maybe sort of kind of like you know boils things down and reduces and reduces and reduces, and she kinda, will not. No. She won't. <clears throat> she, this is no Santa. Gold. Her next album is coming out in seven years, probably. Yeah. The, this is no Santa Gold. We're like Santa Gold gives you like an eight or nine track album yeah. that's like this is all I'm doing, and then uh, you're still gonna wait like seven years. It's, yeah. You know. Yeah. So seven point eight for me. That's where I'm going. Jeffrey, what do you got? 
Pitchfork, um, maybe. Pitchfork style. It's an 8 or an 8.5. Um, I'm leaning more towards an 8.5. Uh, I think it's very strong. I like her voice a lot. I like the songwriting. Actually, no, I'm, I'm saying it's an 8. And with more listens, maybe it'll, it'll earn the 8.5. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very solid. It's a lot of, in a good way, I like the fact that it's a lot of songs because like there's a lot of great songs and then there's some good ones and then there's some okay ones. Yeah. And so like I enjoy the fact that there's like 11 great songs. Yeah. yeah. Luke? I give this record a seven. Um, I really did like a lot of stuff on here, but for the reasons I said, um, that, you know, kind of brings it down a little bit. The stuff going on there um like jeff said too like where it gets a little meandering in the middle so that's why i'm going seven um if you do like this kind of music and you want to live in this world this is this album though because it's long and it's immersive and you can really get yourself in here i just think it's more not my cup of tea so that's more of my rating at a seven but if you're into this thing it's well done music in yeah. that style and craft so yeah Right on. Well, there you have it. Let us know what you think in the comments below. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Are our ratings right on or are our ratings bullshit? Let us know in the comments below. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with Musical Left Turns. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Hofner Guitars. I have here the Hofner Shorty. It is a full-scale, travel-sized guitar. You can find this and all of their products at HofnerGuitars.com. <laughs> All right, everyone, welcome back to Get in the Garage. We're a podcast about music. Oh, good God. <laughs> Loving it. For people who love music. For music for people <laughs> that are music people. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, we're back, and uh, we're going to do a fun segment, I think. This, yes. should be, this should be a good time. Uh, define fun. Oh, it's going to be fun. Luke, tell we, us how much fun we're going to have. We are having fun. <laughs> we are going to take you on a journey of some of the strangest musical left turns. We are going to highlight some of the weirdest and probably more on the bad side. And then Jeffrey is going to enlighten us with some of, some of the better left turns that have happened in music. We are also going to throw in a fun segment in there called Gone Country, where we are going to tell you every musical artist who has quote-unquote gone country look at them boats and this is in honor of the approaching new year so new year new you yes this is the uh idea behind this whole (laughs) pain of my ears for the past week well luke usher us in because you had one suggestion that i that i i listened to and was like what the fuck is i listened to this 15 years ago or 25 (laughs) years ago when it came out so oh no this came out january 10th 1983 uh neil young was signed to reprise records Mm. his contract was up he signed with new upstart uh geffen records david geffen formerly of Asylum Records, branched out, started his own record label, got a bunch of huge stars, and most of those stars released some of the worst records of their career and most unprofitable. Neil Young decided to experiment on his first release and release a vocodered, vocaled album called Trans, where he experimented with computer music 
in the way that nobody had before him. None of his contemporaries had even touched this stuff with a 10-foot pole, and he dived deep in with keyboards, vocoders, synthesizers, all in a plea to kind of relate to his son, which who was suffering with... My son, the robot. <laughs> yeah, well, no, his son had autism. And cerebral couldn't, palsy. Yes, sir, yeah. uh, yes, cerebral palsy, that's what it was, sorry. Oh, and man. couldn't really focus on a music and seemed to like electronics more, so Neil tried to do some musical experiments. This was the album. I don't know if it's a classic album, but it sure is a left turn. What did you guys think? Loved it. Loved it? Yeah, I hate Neil Young, so anything <laughs> other than what he normally does, I love. <laughs> um, I am into this record, but not into this record. Like, I listened to it, and I was like, what in the hell? I had never listened to this Neil Young record, like, not even close. Mm. I think my dad actually had purchased this on CD at the time, mm. and I think it's on the wall behind me here, but it's so... um. It's so ahead of its time in a lot of weird ways. Like yeah. there was that kind of like new wave keyboard music, but nobody. This is like Daft Punk, like so before that it would even come close to happening. And it's not the best version of like Daft Punk, but it's the first version of it. Would you say, Jeff? Like, is this it's like, an early? I mean, it's after. I mean, like Planet Rock is. Yeah. Right. I don't know, man. It's like if if Herbie Hancock made a classic rock album. It's so weird, but it is so of that time. It's like the very end of disco. It's the it's kind of the end of that new wave era because this was what eighty three. You said yeah, no um, eighty straight in the bottom. Oh, this is eighty. Oh, oh no, no, no eighty three. I did say eighty three. Yeah. Sorry. Um. So this is like, I mean, Prince had, by eighty three. Prince had put out like five albums using a lot of electronic, you know, drum machines and stuff like that, a lot of synthesizers. So this is just very strange because, like, Neil Young was very famously, like, the get-off-my-lawn, cranky Canadian douche. And uh, then he's like, I'm making music for the hip kids with the nylon jackets. <laughs> it's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, like, like Neil Young showing up with a harmonica around his neck, but like hammer pants. Like, I just, yeah. it's just very strange. How many zippers does that jacket yeah, have, Neil? it's just very strange. Yeah, it's, it was, it was an odd one for me. It was funny because uh, we were listening to another Neil Young album that we'll talk about after we talk about this one, and you'll understand Two why Neil it's Young. just, you'll understand why it's just such a difference, but... But yeah, it was just like it, uh, we. My, I was listening to it with my wife, and I was like, "You'll never guess who this is." And she's like, "Come on, who is this?" You know. And we were, I'm like, "Yeah, it's Neil Young." She's like, "Get the fuck out of here!" Like she couldn't believe that it was it was Neil Young. It was very strange. It's got the Daft Punky kind of thing going a little bit. You we know, are it's in got control. The, yeah, he's like, "Let me break." Yeah. We are in but control. But I didn't. I break dance for you. I didn't hate it. <laughs> I didn't hate it either. You know, which is kind of interesting because oh, i'm I like, like oh i don't i yeah. think this is pretty rad like i'm kind of getting down with this um shout out to artistic freedom i would say <laughs> this is like the like i don't give a shit what you think album so shout out to doing whatever the hell you really want to do artistically neil young because this is it um 
kudos like that's what my thought like my th- two thumbs up is for artistic yeah. like i don't care what you think because clearly he didn't and yeah and safe to say too that um the whole thing the david geffen thing uh, i read it was like well, he was well, being let's, paid let's continue here because we got to talk about the second record before we talk about what happened with okay. david geffen yes, i can't yes, believe okay. we're talking about two neil young so right after that we record about three. comes out, we oh obviously get weird, savage reviews. People are not into this Neil Young record. Everyone's like, what's going on? And Neil Young doubles down, but not in the way you would think he would double down. He went, oh, you want a rock and roll record? That dude went in the shed and just fired up some of the like raunchiest, weirdest rockabilly tunes ever recorded. And at that, it was in about... Yeah, August 1st, 1983. So this came out like congruently with trans and like right after a reaction, if you will, or a direct counterpiece to what trans was. And this is his rockabilly record. Everybody's rocking. He's in a pink and white suit on the front cover. And uh, Betty Lou's got a brand new pair of shoes. Did you you think about the (laughs) album opener, dude? I like like this record. I was was into it. I'm kind of like it kind of... It felt in the you know it's I think anytime you listen to like an album like this or a rockabilly album like this you know you want to like roll up somewhere in an old Corvette and have a have somebody bring you out like chocolate malt milkshakes on roller skates you know it gives you that kind of a vibe but that's why it was so strange because I listened to them back to back too and I was like what <laughs> these came out in the same year by one artist. on one on one end of it it's just like it the dude he's got like the pit vipers on and it's like Miami Vice or something and then on the next one I'm just kind of of like I'm I'm on the set of Happy Days. I don't understand what the fuck is going on. I'm so confused. Um, but I, I enjoyed both of them. I did. I'd like to also point out uh, the album opener. Betty Lou's got a, a new pair of shoes. Is also just uh, Little Richard's "Keep on a Knockin." You keep on knocking, but you can't come in. Yeah. You keep on knocking. It which I thought was very very funny because uh, yeah. it's like the most like stonered vo- version of that song you could ever have. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fan. I'd also like it's to shout out. It's just like, who gives a f- Jelly Sometimes Roll you make Man. Sometimes people go, who gives a fuck? <laughs> who gives a fuck? This is a weird album. It's yeah. not good on like the classic Neil Young record, but it is cool in the, it's a rockabilly yeah. record. But uh, so these were released back to back. David Geffen had paid a lot of money to have Neil on his record label. And decided that Neil was sabotaging him and took him to court and sued him for making music that was un-Neil Young-like, and Neil Young got pissed. And David Geffen ended up dropping the lawsuit and apologizing, but really what it only did was kind of cause Neil to double down on his um, being eccentric and really not caring what any critic really thought. I think after that point, like Neil had already been, uh, I don't care. After that had happened, he really flew caution to the wind and you would get his uh, metal machine music in the 90s when he released Weld, like an hour of just crazy horse distortion music. So, which Jeff <laughs> likes. Yeah, gets the thumbs so, up. This is a um this was a, the birthplace I think of Neil just getting real goddamn weird and I'm here for it for those reasons I am not always there for all the musical uh th- ideas that come out of that but 
that was the Neil Young left turn. The second album reminds me of um, there's an SNL skit from a couple of years ago where it's Will Ferrell doing like um, like fifties piano rock and roll music, and it's very bad. It's very like sexually over the line, inappropriate, and then. They're like, it was a different time. It's the early 80s. <laughs> it's like, who makes throwback rockabilly 50s music in the 80s? Neil Young. Neil Young. Yeah. Awful. Uh, so another left turn that's really fun that I didn't know about until I became a, a, a member of the Roberge family. Yeah, we're going to bring you to a great year. I believe this year was 1999, <laughs> if I am not mistaken. It was. It we're was going back September to September 28th. Yep, 1999. Garth Brooks decided (laughs) that he was going to change who he was as an artist and become the rock star Chris Gaines. The album Garth Brooks in the life of Chris Gaines. This was an album that was released and it was supposed to be the soundtrack to a movie where Garth Brooks was going to play the character Chris Gaines, a rock star who had a full career in different albums from different time periods. I believe an Australian rock star. That I am not sure of, but let's go with Keith that. Urban. I believe so. I think that was... Keith Urban is the inspiration for Chris Gaines. No. This is, uh, the movie is called The Lamb, by the way, just yes, to throw that out Which never got made. No, it never so got made. So he took this huge artistic risk with his entire career for some project that never even developed right and so that is funny all we have of this movie is the soundtrack which was supposed to i think sell the movie and it did not it did the opposite for garth brooks this is one of the most giant musical leaps in history because he changed (laughs) who he was like he would skinny his face when he talked like this and like Soul patch, and he wore a soul, soul patch. patch and a wig, Natalie and, with, with like the bangs, Natalie Imbruglia haircut, <laughs> dude. And there was a, a whole, there was a behind the music made for this rock star that did not exist. Yeah. Chris Gaines, did he perform on SNL? He as his definitely character? did yeah. perform yeah. on SNL. I think he double, I think he hosted and then <laughs> alter ego performed. Oh, oh, the old bait and switch. <laughs> if I am uh, not, it's like fucking he got Superman. Double, he got double paid because it's two different guys. <laughs> On, you make fun of him, but he's a smart businessman, that one. On it's like no, Superman, where he puts the glasses on there, less like, who is this who person? Who the fuck is this nerd? That, that is exactly what happened. He hosted and performed, so he did a switcheroo, probably the only in history of- I wonder of, if they knew. They had to have known. Of course they did. Yeah, right? Yeah, he's not like, watch me change. I know, but they what I'm saying is, is, like, did he try to actually like legit like be like, no, I'm uh, who's Garth so Brooks? Good. No, Chris he got Gaines, you know. introduced by What's the person? single off this album? It is actually a so good song. So the biggest single off yeah. this album- um, which I think isn't listed on the Wikipedia page, but the single is called Lost in You, yes, which yeah, is an right here, R&B yeah. styled track. Yeah, yeah. So it's not really like a rock song, um, but it's I, like boy band R&B. Exactly. Yeah. This song Lost in You is actually, I think, a really great song. Mm-hmm. He sings it really well. Mm-hmm. Childish Gambino does a cover of it, mm-hmm. which is definitely worth checking out, which I think gives light to the song and some ve- uh validity to the project in itself <laughs> i do um this album is absolutely bonkers and crazy but has a couple of moments where you're like that worked incredibly well my mother bought the cd so that's why i am oh. so familiar with the cd I, we listened to it a lot when i was a kid like my mom really actually liked the cd a lot it's crazy too because the book that came with the cd 
if you uh, looked in the book, it had like it's treated like a greatest hits. I yeah, know, a whole biography. Yeah, yeah like the whole thing, a full biography, <laughs> pictures of the albums that never existed, yeah. stuff like album covers and stuff. It is. I mean, f- talk about full commitment to the to the vision. The two biggest songs on this record that I think are worth their salt that I actually think you should check out are Lost in You. Um, that's the way I remember it is a great uh, the album opener is a great tune and uh, it it doesn't matter to the sun which I believe is oh nope that's written by the songwriting team on here it doesn't matter to the sun is also a great tune on this record it's like a folksy guitar song and would work in his actual career now yeah. I don't know why he doesn't carry some of these songs over uh, where it got gets really weird um, snow in July uh, baby how could it snow in july it's like a bon jovi song it's strange that's one that doesn't really work um what's the one that's got the the come on people now yeah i don't oh right now is the name of that song yeah because it's like maybe it's the this maybe it's the that so it takes the young bloods um right now like come on people now smile on your brother yeah it takes the chorus to that song and mixes it with like a 1990s billy joel we didn't start the fire verse so it's like maybe it's the kids maybe it's the parents maybe it's the plants maybe it's it's like his black or white like exactly michael exactly yeah, what right. this is and then the chorus breaks it's so and it's like come, come on people, people now, now. it is like, one what? of the and the thunder rolls. <laughs> yeah you're like what the fuck is going on right now it's so bizarre that it, it's that is literally the most bizarre song on the yeah. entire record. It's like dark and brooding. It's like, maybe it's the kids, maybe it's the schools, maybe it's the days. Uh, like, what is happening? So that is like probably the worst song in this record. Snow in July is also pretty bad. There's a lot of things on here that are kind of so-so. Uh, we mentioned before the mics were on that Don Waz was the producer of this record. Don Waz, if you don't know, is the producer of the Rolling Stones 1990s albums along with like Brian, later-day Brian Wilson stuff. At pretty Bob much, Dylan. Yep. Tom Petty. John yeah. Mayer. John Mayer. Yes. B-52s. Yep. So yeah. he did this record, and it has a lot of that you know kind of like okay it's like middle of the road stuff i think this record would have been better if garth brooks went all in the r&b flavor in that style because i really love that song um on this record but what a strange time i kind of wish it worked out and i really i think in the whole like broad things like i think this was bad for music in a lot of ways <laughs> and not in the way you think I'm going to finish this sentence. I think us not letting Garth Brooks do this was a detriment to country music and a lot of other things because it, we were like, no, no, play country. And because of that, we got another t- like 20 years of unchanging country music until probably about like the last five or seven maybe years it started to creep in with Old Town Road and things of that nature where country yeah, music yeah. was starting to Florida Georgia line even like where they were starting to like rap in there. See what I'm saying? So I think that uh, by putting this music out and really not giving it its full shot because it wasn't the most horrible thing on earth. It was just weird. So yeah, I hear what you're saying though because it could have it could have 
if if it was more well received and more accepted and stuff, it could have rounded out country music in a yeah, more well rounded way than it you yeah, know because it, it took till now to like get country music like more rounded or like yeah. around the bend of like two thousand eight to ten yeah. where it started to change and get more pop oriented more. Like, we could have a rapper. Well, you got to yeah. think about that time, too. So, like, 1999 is, like, the peak of, like, oh, man, you sold out type of mentality. Like, this was the peak of, like, angry young white guy music on one hand and then, like, bubblegum pop bullshit on the other hand. Um, I think it was Garth Brooks' Fatigue, too. This was his ninth album in a decade. Overkill. And, and like... This is still successful. I think this sold at least 2 million copies. It has his only top 40 hit, the song Lost in You, um, because his other songs didn't chart on the um, normal Hot 100. They charted on the you know country charts. Um, but yeah, I just think like 1999, people did not want to accept these kind of, this kind of left turn. And he's like late 30s, like 37, 38, 39 years old when he put this out, which is like, in, especially in 1999 terms, people are like, get the fuck off the stage, old man. Like, mm. it's just way too late in a career to make this kind of drastic shift. Um, and the fact that instead of it being like, I'm Garth Brooks, I'm going to put out some different music because I enjoy all kinds of music. It's like, I'm going to put on a fucking costume and a wig and and call myself something else. So like, of course nobody's going to take it seriously. Like, yeah. it's fucking ridiculous. It's, it's the crazy. most complicated version of just like, hey, I'm going to do something else now. Yeah, it like, was- is, is, there another, is there another analog to this? Has any other artist... Oh, there's got to be. Yes, uh, I would say... Who's released music under a different persona? Dexter Poindexter, the singer for the New York Dolls. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, sure. Uh, Who had Hot, Hot, Hot. Who right. was like a, a novelty a song guy. He wasn't able to carry it at and all. And he was purposely like, I'm a Cubano playboy. <laughs> like, like clearly doing a character like to be taken like as a joke. Right. And but like, that, has anybody done a serious like I don't think so. Like anybody tried I can't, to I can't think of about face in like a really serious way. Who's like, call me this from now on. <laughs> and you're like, Yeah, okay. Oh yeah, it's so weird. Like I, it's he's the only one, maybe. And and he is so 1999, he is the Billboard's artist of the 90s, meaning for total sales, he sold more in that decade than any artist in the world. And they close out that decade with like, let me just do, let me just do this. Like, of course, people are going to hate, hate it. Hate and it. career ender. He never, yeah. I mean, he came, he can sell out stadiums. I'm not saying he doesn't have a fan base. Based like, on the catalog and stuff, right? The, the creative output, done. Mm. We were done. After this album came out, he never came back and gave you another like Thunder Rolls or Friends in Low Places mm. or Two Pina Colada. Like none of that stuff ever came again after this record. It was done. We yeah, he wasn't even, he wasn't even like the huge figure in country music after this. Because the country audience completely was like, man, you turned our your back, back on, on us. us. And yeah, so fucking strange, man. So I, I want to see find some interview clips with him speaking with like an Australian accent. The, oh, you, the behind the behind the music is really great. Also, I'd like to note of this record too. This is one of the most scrubbed 
albums on the internet it It is hard to find on youtube it does not exist on spotify good luck finding it i have an original copy that uh my mom had and we found one at their thrift store so i think there's two copies floating around in our world he he is garth brooks himself only streams on what service is it apple music i don't think he streams on any service i believe there's serves streams on one i believe on amazon you are able to stream his greatest hits only so it's like a 12 mm. track list i think they okay. when i used to have amazon music that was the only thing you could stream by him mm. i don't believe he's on spotify i'm thinking it might be apple music well i don't have apple music, i believe he's an exclusive walmart retail seller as for well physical yes for every yeah. physical release you can only yeah. buy at walmart there's like a seven lp box set at walmart oh, every that, time we walk past that two, usually like, caught though a seven lp box set <laughs> would cost like no shit like 300 to 500 dollars like 60 bucks it is like 60 dollars because i mean i'm not trying to be this guy but like garth brooks cares about his fans a little bit more i feel than everybody else and he's like no that's this much money right that's this price and he's a big enough artist to do that and if you're a big enough artist to do that i think he should probably go get those george george pants and seven disc box set for don't forget the shack sneakers oh don't forget the Shaq. I like his. He's dunking, right? And his. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's dunking. Of course, man. Shaq's but like man. his feet are Shaq out like this. Sha- yeah. Side note, for the same reason, because Shaq was like, "Oh yeah, Jordans cost two hundred dollars. I'll make sneakers for kids who are broke, like I was broke." Yeah. Right? And so, shout out, good shout on him. Shaq. I respect Garth Brooks for that reason too. Yes, yes. I do here, too. Here. Selling to the common man. Shout um, out. I don't respect Chris Gaines though. <laughs> Fuck uh, that guy. So um, <laughs> do, fuck you, mate. Fuck you, mate. Do you want to give us some good musical left turns before we go country? A little palate cleanser. Um, So some good musical left turns. I was just thinking like in in our lifetimes, um, coming out of the 90s, one of the biggest bands in the world was Radiohead with their Britpop kind of like proggy, okay computer. And then they followed that up with this very synthesizer kind of like Cosmiche, like European influenced Kid A in 2000, which... On its release, people are like, what the fuck is this? But pretty much immediately, like, universally acclaimed. Um, another one that was a big left turn was Kanye West's Yeezus, which he released in 2013 um, after his big comeback, like, great, My Beautiful Dark Twist Fantasy. Then his follow-up album, Yeezus, is this very industrial, angry, like, kind of brittle and jarring type of album. But it kind of divide people, but it is one of his seminal works. And it's kind of like, it doesn't seem crazy now when you listen to it. But in the t- at the time, like I hated that when, when it first came out. It took me a couple of listens to fully digest and see what he was doing. But a very strange left turn musically. Um, and then another one I was thinking about, um, Donald Glover, Childish Gambino. He had put out a couple uh, rap albums that were very much like nerd culture reference rap music. And he sings a little bit on all that stuff too, but he's like rapping and he's like lots of clever wordplay and like it's it's decent, his first two albums. And then he put out this album, Awaken My Love in 2016, which is like full 70s style soul funk music um, with a couple big hits. Um, Red Bone is a big hit off of that. Me and Your Mama is a big hit off that. And he as far as I know, has not returned to strictly rapping since then. He like is now this very 
R&B guy, very soul guy, very like throwback to the Isaac Hayes style of music. Um, so that was a pretty big left turn because when that came out, people expected like, oh, another backpack rap, rap album. And it's very much not that. Yeah. Yeah, that Yeezus record, man. That that was cra- That was like really... I mean, I had heard oh, yeah. some of the the Kanye West. I mean, you know, we we speak about Kanye West knowing everything that's going on, but that was kind of my introduction to him as sort of reapproaching Kanye West as being like, oh, maybe I could be a fan, uh, and I enjoy. I did enjoy it, but then looking back, you know, you're right. It's it was that's just so it's so different. It's like so. Yeah, I saw a post of mine from that day when I because I used to go out and get the album the day it came out. This that was one of the last physical CDs I bought in 2013. Um, and I think I, I gave it like a six because I was like, ah, I don't know, man. I just don't like half of this. It's too yeah. like aggressive and too like disorienting and jarring and weird. And But like within the week, within like five or six listens, I was like, oh, this actually might be like his best thing. Yeah, I am a god on that on that right. album. It's just like, whoa. And it's just like yeah. trancey, Drill, like drilly. drill stuff. Yeah. And then it's like scream, chopped up screams as part of the sample. Well, well like, what was the other one? Uh, Black... Black Skinhead. Skinhead, thank you. That Luka, one. Uh, New Slaves. And... And, yeah, Black Skinhead had like the uh, um, the Native American right. sort of sample chanting in it. So he was like, what in the fuck is going on? Yeah, and the whole thing was... is just like, like distort. There's almost no drums on the album. It's yeah. like a lot of like just pitched synthesizer hits. Yeah. It's yeah, very strange. Would you guys also say Jesus is King is also a huge left turn album? Because I was like, when you said that, I was like, oh, man. Again, a bit more in the controversial range. But I was sure. like, when that came out, that was so divisive for fans. They were like, whoa. I didn't like it. So, I wasn't really oh, a big fan. Well, I didn't like it either, but yeah. Big left big turn. Left turn. Considering a year before he did I Love It, which was a huge trending track for yeah. um, like TikTok and like in, like the reels and like the shorts and stuff. Because mm-hmm. that was a little pump that I was talking about like disrespect and women and things and then he did jesus king the following year and he hasn't he has oh. not returned to cursing on record since then so for the past like oh three, yeah th- for the past three years it just like space edits all of his curses hmm. so it's just like silence blips all through his songs uh, it, but you're right big jesus is king i thought that was just the, a full gospel album because and, like yeah. it was he would kind of like do the turn and you're like that was the biggest like wham album yeah. turn and then Everybody was like, wow, or whoa. And then Jesus is King, everyone was just like, go, 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 go. It just faltered <laughs> yeah. like crazy after that. And yeah. everybody was like, mm. everybody went back and went, no, Jesus was really, really, really great. Like that kind of thing. <laughs> um, I was also thinking while you were speaking, another just kind of more of a transformation, more than a left turn, or but definitely a new me kind of thing. Willie Nelson, man. Like, Willie Nelson was a clean-shaven guy in the 50s that wrote oh, Crazy sure. and songs like that and mm-hmm. then became Shotgun Willie by 1976. He had a big beard, a bandana, yeah. and pigtails. and Wanted posters. Wanted posters. Covers. And Doing he the was outlaw the thing. outlaw marijuana-smoking guy instead yeah. of the guy that wrote songs for Patsy Cline, which is quite the new me left turn which you know music's kind of still the same but interesting uh on that note i would like to round out this new me with a collection of artists who have gone country gone country look at them boots so um (laughs) let's start it off do you guys have any you want to throw it at me before we start can you think of any of the top of your heads uh, no but i'll i'll comment on ones that you throw okay out. here we go we're gonna start with yeah. your man aaron lewis of stained oh that's right 
He totally, it's been a while since he wrote a, a good song. He uh, he totally more went on the... Uh, he's on the outside of the music industry. Definitely looking in. I would say he's more on the uh, MAGA country side, I think, sure. if we had to say God's country. what it was. I'm going to throw out one here that I like. Uh, Nelly. Remember when Nelly went country? Um, country grammar? <laughs> no, guys. Do you remember the Tim McGraw hit over and over that he was on? I think about oh, it over, over and, and over, over again. again. Uh, yeah. yeah, see? Oh, that's right. So Nelly was that. one of the first hip-hop artists to really go country. Uh, in 2016, uh, Nelly was also on a Florida Georgia Line song, and right. that was a big hit. That's called Die a Happy Man. So Nelly dipped his toe kind of first and still going, and uh, there are rumors that he's going to make a country album. Uh, here's one Michael loves. Brett Michaels went country. The cowboy of love himself. <laughs> uh, you know, You're he, here. he, you know, traded in those blonde locks for a cowboy hat in the 90s and hasn't looked back. It's worked well for him. We're going to go next with Cindy. Keeps the wig on. Cindy Lauper. One country? Did, she did a whole country album in 2016 called Detour. Uh, oh, which, 2016. Yep. So it's a later day, which yeah. is a switch up, but interesting. I thought uh, Lionel, did you guys see Lionel Richie's country album? No. You're blowing my mind right now, man. He does, I, I didn't know. He does all night long. It's called Tuskegee. So he does oh, Lionel Richie's hits in a country tinge. They're bad. None of it's great, I, according to me. If, take my opinion. I did not like this album. I was like, there's no way this is good. I didn't think so. Um, but check out the country version of All Night Long to die for it's uh with jimmy buffett it's a duet with jimmy buffett <laughs> now, i was trying to talking. think of who the featured artist was now we're talking. it's one of those country albums much like the um cindy lopper one i just talked about where they get like country artists to come on and uh be on oh, their tracks God. so lionel richie oh he's giving us some of it in our headphones right now uh we're gonna bring you with darius rucker someone who it's worked well for i like it is he Hootie? He's, you know, he's the blowfish. He's the blowfish. Darius Rucker, man. He's the blowfish. Uh, Huge country person. What I'm going to bring he up. Big now too, yeah. Uh, ready for the stank faces from across the room. Jerry Lee Lewis. Uh, after he could not make any more rock and roll records, he switched to country in the mid 60s and had a uh, great career from there on. Not like great, but he like was able <laughs> to make money. Is what I'm saying. Uh, Kid Rock. Country, you know, yeah. used to be the rapper in the 90s. Well, we got Bob Dylan, who went Nashville Skyline, 1967. John Wesley Harding. Uh, bon Jovi made a country record, which I have also heard and am not a, a big fan of. Uh, Steven Horse Who Rides. <laughs> that would make sense dead. Not a little alive bit. Anymore. Yeah, I want him dead. <laughs> what did you guys think of Steven Tyler's country album? Oh, I was waiting for you to, to, to drop the Steven Tyler. I think uh, Steven Tyler's country album is uh, Delusions of Grandeur, and that's the nicest thing I am going to say about that. Well, cocaine is a hell of a drug. Oh, well, that's what I was alluding to, but here we go. Uh, <laughs> Jessica Simpson went country. She did a album called Do You Know, yeah. a slick-sounding country Ugh. album. And uh, I'm going to wrap you out with uh, Jewel. Jewel made a country oh, record, always, but she was always kind of country. She yodeled yeah, in concert always. So I feel like once you yeah. are yodeling, Alaskan Appalachian, yeah, you really yeah. can't like go side of country, more country. So that was my fun list. Yeah. Um, I liked Aaron Lewis. I think the best out of the list of people who have gone country. It's a weird turn from there. Yeah, Aaron Lewis. But I, that music I, was, but he grew with his fans, and it was kind of 
take away the <laughs> take away the distorted guitars that it kind of they are country songs yes i would agree stained songs. so very interesting list of gone country uh new year oh, new God. me left turns uh i have a country record to recommend oh please it's called moog goes country <laughs> compilation from the early 70s it's all country classics done with moog synthesizers well there you go it's I, amazing i uh, that was my favorite when the moog went country <laughs> it's oh, really god good. um so I switched on bachman myself oh. as, a, as a skeleton a robot skeleton where the cowboy hat has the cover i wanted to throw one more at you in the early 90s the beach boys were one of the first <laughs> groups to go country uh. it is a horrible album it's called america <laughs> Stars and Bars, Volume 1, and they never released Volume 2. Stars and Bars, that's the Confederate flag. I believe that <laughs> is awful. what the album is called. It's called oh something like that. Um, and they did, like, one well, of the first uh, people to do that. They had all the country artists on that album. Yeah. It is really, really bad. It was made in the early 90s. So that was the other one I wanted to throw out, the Beach Boys. The Beach Boys. Well, uh, I'd like to throw them out, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it, everybody. Left turns, new year, new you. Uh, we, you know, we hope you have a nice, uh, happy, prosperous new year, guys. By the time this comes out, I think it'll be the week of New Year's. So, uh, 2023. 2023. New year, new me. Uh, yeah, there you go. Wow. Have what great- inspiring words <laughs> for a new year. Inspiring words. <laughs> I'd like to wish everybody a good week at school in the new year. In yeah. the new year, yes. Just one week. Hey, guys, we'll see you next year. This has been Cat in the Garage. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening.